Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, listeners. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here with podcast number 40. I can't believe number 40. That's pretty good. It's not like we do these every day. So every two weeks or so, and we're on number 40. It's October 19th, 2016, in a cold Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, looks like the sun is actually going to come out, and that means it's cold. Um, I don't know if a lot of you live in snow country. I know Ed does and Mary Jo does. Um, But for us, the clearer the weather, the colder it is because there's no clouds to hold the heat down onto the earth, so it just dissipates and gets colder. So it looks like we're supposed to have a 45-degree day tomorrow, but the low is going to be 18. So um, things are pretty well frozen up. I had to plug in the heaters um, for the gutter over the front door so it doesn't freeze up and... The, um, all the hoses are in, and we're waiting for our neighbor to do the community sprinkler blowout where you have to go in and blow compressed air through your underground sprinklers so they don't freeze and get destroyed through the winter. All those kind of winterizing stuff. We stocked up on furnace filters when we were in Costco a couple weeks ago, so I think we're pretty well set. Um, so uh, Alp says she misses fall. All our leaves went in the past couple days. It was we had, the aspens were just a gorgeous color, that bright, bright gold. Um, they're pretty much the only trees around um, in any quantity that change color. The rest are coniferous. There's a rare maple here and there that people have planted, but we're mostly a gold fall place. We don't get the pretty reds or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, the weather's crazy as as. Um, People are saying 90 in L.A. Yeah, my mom said it's really warm. She lives just um, out in the desert near Palm Springs, and it's hot there. Um, Crazy, and I see, like, Philadelphia is going to set a heat uh, record today, they say. So, anyway. Um, So, let's get started. We've got a whole pot like of stuff to talk about today. Part of it's me venting um, about business issues that I'm sure you guys will run into if you haven't already and how I am trying to deal with them, and some planning for Q4, because we are in the thick of it. Um, My uh, September was my biggest September ever, so I don't know if people are shopping early or what. So anyway, a couple things. I think, I think, I know my sales are up for two reasons. One is I have more stuff to sell. That's kind of the obvious, right? I don't, but I don't have a ton more, but I have more. But here's the second thing. I am using Restock Pro, and I'm not running out of stock of products. Um, with I have 2,500 um, uh, SKUs, and, um, yeah, it's hard to keep track of them. Because if you know craft stuff, like one thing can come in dozens of sizes and colors. Um, 
hang on just a second. If somebody in chat could help Jen Rotolo try to get her so she can hear, do walk her through all the things. She's a first-time listener. So um, Cherry or Bay or somebody who knows the whole drill, Carolyn, help her out so I can talk. So, um, so yeah, so I am not running out of stock. Um, and as I posted in the group earlier, I am reordering sometimes twice a week from one of my suppliers because I get free shipping and it just keeps the stuff moving because there's there's like 400 SKUs from them. An order will fit in a box that's 8 by 10 by 10 because um, it's real small light stuff. So um, so um, the, uh, the whole issue is not running out of stock. So I'm using Restock Pro. There's other ones out there. There's Forecastly. And um, and some other uh, things that will help you manage your inventory. But I think if you are not don't have some sort of system in place, whether it's a manual system, and I did that for say I started selling on Amazon in '01, so for 15 years I did it that way. But I hit the point where I could not do it efficiently, and I couldn't forecast what I needed, so it was it was too cumbersome. So whatever system um, you are using, make sure it works for you so you don't run out of stock. And not only, not it's obvious if you're out of stock, you can't sell what you have. But the other thing is it takes a while to get back in the buy box when you do go back into stock. Um, that's part of the algorithm that Amazon is very clear about. They don't want you running out of stock. So use whatever tools you need to use, whether it's Selling Coach, um, which I don't find as accurate as Restock Pro. I tried using it, and it just it didn't work for me. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so if you can uh, find a system that works for you, uh, in the group there's a 30-day free trial of Restock Pro. I'm very happy with it. It's um, made me, I know, several thousand more a month just by using it. And it's faster too, um, not, just, not just being able to know, but I can reorder faster. So it doesn't take, take a long time um, to get things going. So don't run out of stock. We've had a couple people in the group say that they've gone to reorder for their Q4 uh, sales of a product and their vendors are out of stock. Um, so now is the time. If you haven't ordered already, you've got to be doing it now. You can't say, I'll wait till November and do it, because the odds are you aren't going to be able to find the stuff in November. Your suppliers are going to be sold out. It's not going to get to you in time, because UPS will be, be horribly backed up, and they'll be using temporary workers um, who are slower and can't get things going. Um, weather will become an issue meaning shipments will be delayed because of weather issues, whether in the hub in Louisville or wherever it is. Um, so please don't, um, don't wait. That's my big thing. Um, somebody else, Quang, is having trouble too, so um, if you could help, help him out too, I'd appreciate somebody keeping an eye on it, on these people who can't do it. Because um, me saying something isn't going to help them if they can't hear. Um, and contrary to what Alp says, I'm not a great multitasker. She says, oh, you are. You can type and talk and all that. I can do that if, like, I'm thrifting for profit and Deborah's there, 
but I can't like do it when I have to talk all myself and then also do that at the same time. Um, that's, that's a difficult one for me. And Ron will attest that I cannot like be on the computer answering emails and all that and do anything else. I have to like totally concentrate. Um, and I have, I have to think that that's probably cause I haven't worked with distractions around in decades. I've always worked by myself with the dog on his bed in the office and that's pretty much it. So I'm not really good at filtering out distractions. I can have the TV on and I can have an audio book on because I don't have to respond, but somebody talking to me and all that just like throws me to bits. So, um, cause I have worked, by, I have worked in my own way too long, which brings me to my next, my next point. Um, I very seldom have problems with, with buyers of my stuff on Amazon because I source 100% wholesale. I process it all myself. So the control freak knows that the stuff is good. Well, I got a phone call while I was at the gym on Monday. And I um, um, uh, know it because my little Fitbit tells me when a phone call comes in and I just look down. And then I... So there was a voicemail, and it's like, oh, my God, I didn't recognize the number. And then there's a text from the same number, and it's an Amazon buyer. Um, now, why they couldn't leave a message through Amazon messaging, I don't know, but, yeah. So this Amazon buyer said she ordered a, a set of knitting needles, which I think they sold for $179, so not, not inexpensive. And she got a used set. Now, this is a brand-new product from a supplier who's been in business 200 years 200 years, okay? They have been around that long. And I know this set because it was just released. I got three of them in, and I personally bubble wrapped them and then put them in a poly bag. So I wrote back, and I, I had her email me to my regular email. I texted her back because I didn't want to talk on the phone. It was like 9.30 at night. So I sent her a message back, um, sent her a message back, and said, email me at support at my email. And so she did, and she explained the situation. And I wrote back, and I said, that's crazy. Did it come, that it was, she first said it was used. And I'm like, can't be used. And it can't be, because I could have got these from the manufacturer, and I saw them. And, and so I wrote her back, I says, was the item bubble wrapped? And she wrote back and said, no, it wasn't. It was just in a box with a air pillow, and that was it. So ding, 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 something's screwed up at um, Amazon. So I get on chat with Amazon, and I, this is now 10 o'clock at night, and I get Piyush, who I later learned is a uh, guy's name in India because the former governor in Louisiana, Bobby Jindal, that's his real name. I had to Google all this, so yeah. So Piyush comes on, and Piyush is in that very formal um, kind of um, – language that a lot of them use. And I go through this whole thing about how something is messed up at the Amazon warehouse because I bubble wrapped the, I sent three of these in, I bubble wrapped them, the customer got it not bubble wrapped. I said, so, so something has happened at the Amazon warehouse. I double checked, I hadn't had any of them returned. So it's not like they put a used one, uh, a returned one back in. That was the first thing I checked. So I'm like, okay, so what has happened at the Amazon warehouse that they felt it was okay to bubble wrap it? The label for me goes on the outside of the bubble wrap, and then I put the whole thing in a poly bag saying, single item enclosed, do not open. Okay, so, so they had to rip the poly bag 
and take the bubble wrap off. Craziness, right? And yes, I and I, uh, Wendy, I do tape tape the bubble wrap. Um, you know, I do it, fold it like a package, you know, because this is a box. And it's not a big box. It's probably 8 inches by 10 inches by an inch thick. And fold the ends like a package, you know, how you do. And then put it in a poly bag. So it's not like it came off unless somebody did something. So I go through this whole, like, 45 minutes with this guy, Piyush, through chat. And you guys know me. I never call into Amazon. And I mostly email but I thought, okay, this woman's really pissed off. It's a $179 item. If I get on chat, I can resolve it faster, right? Oh, heck no. So I get through this 45 minutes of peers trying to explain that, no, she got sent somebody else's because mine were bubble wrapped. And he's like, well, can you prove they're bubble wrapped? Yeah, I did it myself, Piyush. So finally we get to the point, he says, I'm sorry, I will have to transfer this to someone else, and they will email within you, email within you 40, within 48 hours. And I'm like, so I just wasted 45 minutes when you probably knew you couldn't do anything. Oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. So he did that, and at this point, I'm like, oh, yeah. So I wrote, I texted back or emailed back this woman saying we're working on it. No matter what, you're going to be 100% happy with the resolution. I just don't know how it's going to play out right now. Go ahead and knit with them until you hear back, right? So, um, so there. Um, get that one. I'm thinking, okay, I can go kind of relax now while another problem crops up on Amazon. This is one with a, another expensive item, a $200 item that um, was returned as carrier damaged, okay? That means it got damaged in shipment from Amazon to the customer, okay? Not my responsibility, not my responsibility. Um, so, and I looked at the reimbursement and they had taken out the fees twice for me, okay? And it's like 30 bucks. So I'm like, ah, oh, crud, you know, for 30 bucks, yeah, I'm gonna complain about this. Because I'd gotten like a hundred dollar reimbursement, and I really should have gotten one hundred and thirty after all the fees were said and done. So I said, "Okay, I'll just get on chat to get this done." I get on chat. Who do you think responds to the chat on the other end? Now this is like fifteen minutes after I finished the previous one. Who do you think I get out of all the seller support agents on Amazon working? Piyush again. The man who could not do anything. I mean, come on. And I knew it was him because he had obviously has the same copy-paste first line that he used before. So what are the odds that Piyush writes the exact same first line if it's not the same Piyush? Yeah. So I went through the same thing, except I knew to be much more efficient. And I said, Piyush, this is the problem. Can you handle it? No, I would have to refer that. And so I just clicked on I ended it there. I said, forget it. I'm not going to get in. So Ron was sitting here, and he goes, what is Piyush a level zero Amazon seller support agent? I said, I guess so. I guess so. But, you know, it is, it is just insane. First of all, that they, that they can spend so much time um, trying to get to the point. And I do have to say, even though I've been to India several times, and I know lots of people speak really good English in India, there is a different way of communicating. Um, 
Yeah, and lots of swearing. The dog went and jumped off the bed and went into his crate because it was like um, uh, going, okay, we have another issue with Casey. Uh, Somebody could help Casey out. Uh, This must be a talk shoe issue. Um, I don't know. So, um, so anyway, so I gave up on that one and I, I, I've now decided, okay, I'm done with chat for a while because those two didn't work and I'm back to my emailing stuff. But I do think that Amazon has to, to educate their, their foreign based customer service agents into deal with us. And I hate to say it in a more American way of communicating, um, if they're going to work with .com people, they need to learn the American way. If they're going to do .co.uk for like John and our other UK members, you need to communicate using a UK method because they are very different. They're, I'm married to an English guy. I know the communication is different. So, um, so yeah, so that was like the major frustration of the week. It's like, oh, my God, I cannot believe Amazon is, is like being um, – this way moving into Q4 where issues are arising um, with the whole, the whole warehouse and seller support. So a couple takeaways from this. One is um, I'm not thinking that chat's the way to go on this. Though I had used it successfully before when I was trying to get all the ASIMs for a parent-child listing. It was a set of knitting needles that I knew came in 10 sizes, and there were only two children listed. And no matter what I did, clicking on the out of stock, trying to search different ways, I couldn't get the ASINs of the ones that didn't show up. So I got on chat and gave her the the link to the page, and she was able to pull up all the ASINs for all the children that were there. So that was a pretty genius one. So that's what kind of lulled me into this thinking chat would work. Nah, it didn't work. So, um, So takeaways. One is um, no matter what we do, Amazon is going to mess up in the warehouse. So we, as sellers, have to do everything we can to make sure they don't. Now, in this case, I thought I'd done everything I could, right? Bubble wrapped it, put the label on the outside of the bubble wrap, and then put that in the poly bag that was heat-sealed closed with a, this is a single item, do not open. You would have thought that would have been enough. Obviously, it it either wasn't enough or they sent somebody else's product instead of mine. And I don't know which one it was, um, but that's kind of not the point because now I'm on the hook with this woman, you know, wanting to hear back. And I, I haven't, Amazon is, quote, investigating now. So, you know, I had to tell her last night that, that I'm still working on it, but you'll still be happy. Um, with the results um, because I just don't want to refund her and be done because then I have to fight Amazon to get the money back and that's even worse. So I'm kind of on tenterhooks here um, figuring um, figuring out where we are. John, that's interesting. You have a lot of South African based support. Um, That's not one I've run across very often. Once I did ages ago, but I was selling on Amazon.co.uk, so maybe that's how I got the South African-based support. But I do think there needs to be training to communicate in, in the method that from the country that you're working for, you know. Um, and I love India, and I think the Indian people, by and large, are wonderful people, but this is a communication issue that needs to be dealt with. Um, so, so the other thing that I learned, and I did actually say it out loud, um, because as someone who has worked for herself, 
most of her adult life, um, I've been, always been in control. You know, whatever I choose, like even when I sold videos for the video store here, I was in control. I went to the store, I grabbed whatever videos I wanted to sell and brought them home and dealt with it. And, you know, the owner of the store never said a word. It was like, yeah, whatever. Um, so this control thing. So I have found that the most stressful things about the Amazon business are things we can't control. And that's flat out, okay? So, um, so no, I'm not paying for premier support, Al, because I haven't, I don't do, fortunately don't need that much support, thank God, or I think I have no hair and, you know, the dog would be permanently in his crate for me cussing all the time. But $400 a month is pretty dang steep. Um, especially when they should be doing this for us anyway, because we are paying for it in one way or another. So anyway, um, so um, so this lack of control thing with Amazon, um, if you're new to it, I just want you to be aware that it's going to be the most stressful part, is that you are going to be held responsible for things that you can't control. Um, the That, this whole thing, first, oh, forgot to go back to the woman with the knitting needles that arrived open. She said she contacted Amazon because she paid for expedited delivery and they were late. And Amazon told her, I shipped them. Really? Amazon? That's what just, that was another one. It's like, and I tried to explain to her. She says, well, Amazon told me you as the vendor delivered them late to FedEx who shipped them. No, I didn't ship them. All my stuff's in Amazon. So that's another one. So so there's another one that, that I'm not responsible for that, and they told her something false. Now I have to smooth the waters and keep her happy so I don't get dinged um, one way or another in negative feedback or in uh, this you sold as new thing, um, which is scary because you are guilty until, proven, until you prove yourself innocent. And I have the invoices for the three of these units I bought from the manufacturer and all that, but I still have to prove myself innocent. So that's why I'm trying to keep her away from Amazon and communicating this issue and let me handle it. So that's kind of that's kind of what I am. Why I haven't told her just contact Amazon and have them deal with it because she did, and they told her something wrong that I delivered it um, that I delivered it to the to FedEx late, you know. Um, so that's it. So the the new people who are listening, I want you, I'm going to make you aware of some of the bad stuff about Amazon now. And uh, those of you who've been selling a while can probably go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one is the lack of control. That is going to be the most stressful part, that you are held responsible for things that you cannot control. And that, um, and that makes it very, very difficult to... Um, to work in that situation. So what you have to do to counteract that is do everything you can control to the best you can so things don't get out of hand, okay? So that means, you know, having wholesale invoices for your product to packaging them so they get to the customer safely. Um, you know, Amazon in their terms of service does say that we're responsible for preparing the items in a way that they will arrive safely to the customer. Now, um, there's one that showed up on a Facebook group yesterday that was kind of like, oh, really? So Amazon customer got a bottle of ketchup that was sold by someone. Now, this leads me to two issues. It was a big bottle of ketchup. 
So it's a liquid in a glass bottle over four ounces. So number one, that's against Amazon's rules. It was bubble wrapped, but still it doesn't matter if it's glass over four ounces, it's not allowed to go FBA. And Amazon put it in a bubble envelope to ship it. So you know what happened to the ketchup, right? Um, though I doubt the vendor, the seller has a leg to stand on because they were breaking Amazon rules. Um, and nobody in the group um, this was posted on even mentioned that, that whole liquid over four ounce thing. It, it wasn't a plastic bottle, it was a glass bottle. So, <coughs> so, um, so there you go. So there, um, so we have to do what we can um, within reason to make sure our stuff gets um, to the customer safely. So I never, ever, ever send anything that is not polybagged. A hundred percent, it's polybagged. I don't care what it is, how it is, comes from the supplier. I still polybag it. It is not worth the box getting beat up and dirty and all of that to save the two or three cents for a poly bag. So that's one thing I would like to impress on everybody is make sure you do that, that you prep your products properly. Um, Amazon will ship horribly. Warehouses are dirty. The conveyor belts are dirty. So at least if your the bag gets dirty and torn up, um, you won't be in such a position that the product inside the customer is going to be angry, right? They take the the poly bag off and look, and then the box inside is nice and fresh and clean. So, um, so there you go. Um, Okay, Wendy, I put the label on the bubble wrap inside the poly bag instead of on the poly bag so it doesn't peel off the bag, okay? Because it happens. Labels will peel off bags no matter what kind of label. So now I send in thousands of items a week. This, so scanning through the poly bag has never been an issue. And I'm very careful to not place it where the suffocation warning is and all that. So, so that's why is because the labels will come off the bag. So it was on the bubble wrap. So there you go. That's why. Um, and as Alp says, Amazon's a big player in this whole fulfillment space. And they really, they, I can just see, it's like one of those Rube Goldberg contraptions, you know, for all they say and do. Things are held together with duct tape and chewing gum, you know, to, to keep everything working. And that's, um, that's um, part of the problem. Uh, Wendy, don't tape over your thermal printed labels because as Buffy posted in the group a while ago, that, um, that the solvent in the tape, the goo, basically will turn your label black within a very short period of time. It's okay for laser labels but not for the thermal labels, the dymo labels that I use and I know a lot of people do. So don't tape over the label if you're using a thermal label. Same with the labels that you use for shipping. If it's a thermal label, there's no reason to tape over it. So, so, um, so yeah, Al, uh, it's a couple of years ago in the group, Buffy, I think it was Buffy who posted a whole test she did on this, you know, put a label on her desk and then one with tape and then one in the dark and all this. It was very scientific. So, um, so there you go. So she, um, it's scientifically proven. Don't do it. Um, so back to the whole, the Amazon warehouse fulfillment held together with duct tape and chewing gum. That's what it's like. 
um, I've been at this long enough that I could just, I'm sure everybody holds their breath every morning when they log in at Amazon to see what's gone wrong, as we do here to see what's happened. So, um, so um, be aware that, that as big as they are and as much money as they are, they, they are still a startup in a lot of ways. They're still a startup. They're still figuring things out. They're still trying to stay one step ahead of everything. So this big cutoff of um, uh, new sellers that if you hadn't shipped an item in before a date like 10 days or two weeks ago, um, that you can't send FBA orders in till December 19th, um, yeah, that's because the warehouses are jammed. Um, that they can't, they figure we are better off, rightly so, servicing those people who have been selling for a while than taking on new ones. Um, I'm hoping this will trickle down to all the the Chinese sellers who they are encouraging. Um, they are encouraging to to join up. You know that whole mess that the counterfeits and all that. So. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm checking chat to keep up. Yeah, um, Bay, um, yeah, that's because Amazon doesn't do a good job of knowing how to ship things. You know, they, they enter a code in when they receive, the first time they get a product in the warehouse, I'll simplify it, they put a code in as to what kind of box or bag this should go in, okay? They will say, um, okay, this item came in. It can go in a bubble envelope. Now, you are, they are basing that on a bunch of things. They're basing it on the dimensions that the person who made the listing um, submitted, which may or may not be correct. You guys have run across that where a merchant fulfilled seller will, you know, inflate the size and the weight of an item so they can get more money as a shipping credit. So that's one thing. The other thing that, um, and I talked to a guy on the Amazon leadership team about this because I was having trouble with one particular item, is that it, once that is in there, if someone requests a Cubis scan, which means Amazon goes to their warehouse, picks up one of these products, puts it on this machine called a Cubis scan, and measures it, it re-enters the, um, the weight and dimensions in there. And that's probably why we're getting all these to the tenth decimal point weights. You know, if you get an ace in change, you see that sometimes those really, really weird ones. So, um, so, um, so, but it doesn't always trickle down to changing what kind of box or bag that item some ship in. You know, it, it may have been somebody put in, you know, 14 inches by 14 inches by 14 inches when the item's really only three inches square, you know? So that's how you end up getting these things in giant boxes um, when they shouldn't be. The picker packer um, has a screen that says it should be in, in an A5 box. And so that little tiny memory card gets put in a big box and that's what happens. They don't have any, um, they didn't, they don't have any, um, leeway on that they can't use common sense they have to use what comes up on the screen kind of thing so that's why um that's why you know things come in the weird boxes and things um and then we're also relying on 
the person who originally inputs that information as that. I mean, who would, in, in all common sense, whether it's glass or plastic, put a bottle of ketchup in a bubble envelope? I mean, really, come on. You know, that's about the most ridiculous um, ridiculous thing. Wendy, as I said, I bag everything, okay? Everything. Just think of the dirt. Take, take the whole customer perception thing out of Think of a dirty warehouse. And you don't want that on your product. You want that on your bag, okay? So I bag everything no matter what, 100%. And you can get those circular stickers on Amazon or at a Office Depot um, Staples kind of place. Um, that's where I got them because I use them to sometimes seal um, boxes from um, suppliers that the seal has come off and everything. So, um, so, uh, to, 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 okay, so Alp's going to get links. Excellent. So next issue to be aware of is this whole customer returns thing. And, you know, if I ruled the world, meaning Amazon, I would, I have a simple solution for this. It's such an obvious, simple solution, and I have talked with Amazon about it, so I'm blue in the face, but nobody cares. If we had an option to have everything a customer returns automatically sent back to us, life would be so much easier, right? Because then we would not be at the mercy of an Amazon warehouse employee determining whether an item was new condition, resellable, whatever, okay? That would be the easiest solution I could see. Everything a customer returns automatically sent back to me. Then you don't, you know, and I'll pay the 50 cents, that's fine. Then you don't have to do all that kind of stuff. So. Um, but nobody at Amazon seems to listen. I have a client who is now doing $10 million a year in sales, and this is his biggest issue, is Amazon gets products back, and they look new on the outside, but they've been opened inside. They're electronic products, and so the cords are unraveled and all that. But the minimum wage warehouse employee says, oh, yeah, this is new. It'll resell, puts it back on the shelf, and it gets sent out again. So then he gets a warning, you sold as new. And that is beyond annoying and he is now putting tamper resistant seals on the boxes and this is a guy who sends in you know truckloads of these things at a time so he's now going we came up with that solution to go to that level now this is a major brand name that you all would know that's in electronics it has one of those flaps where it has the second flap that goes into the slot you know on the box you guys can probably picture that I don't know what it's called but now he's having staff put tamper-resistant seals over those, and we're talking, you know, tens of thousands of them. Um, just because we cannot get a setting on Amazon to return to us all customer returns. And this came to light uh, Tuesday, yesterday for me. So after my Monday night from chat H-E-L-L with Amazon, I get a return, and it's a box mark from Amazon marked heavy. And it is, it's, it was about 10 pounds, but their crummy tape had torn across the top. So it was held together like with two little filaments. Um, so Nicole, no, that's the problem. There is no way to, um, no, there is not a way to have, there is not, not to have returns put in back in inventory. There is a way to not have them repackage them 
But if the little minimum wage employee deems that return is sellable, it goes back in. There, there is not a way to automatically have them marked unfulfillable. That's what I would like to say. Mark all customer returns unfulfillable. Easy peasy. Then I go in with my unfulfillables and have them returned to me. So, um, so anyway, the customer returns. So I get this thing back and it has two items in it. It has, it has a set of metal punches that weighs like nine pounds and they come in a box um, and it's a fairly heavy duty box um, and there's little, um, there's like four holes where these big metal things sit into. Think metal hockey pucks, okay? They're kind of like that. And um, I open up the box, and there, uh, the whole box that they come in is torn open inside this box, and these metal hockey pucks are rolling around inside this box, loose. And underneath all of them, are some olive wood knitting needles. Well, you can imagine what happened. Now, the olive wood knitting needles were a customer return as unsellable, as defective. Okay, they were as defective. I look at them. The customer had not even opened the poly bag I sent them in. But they were now dinged up from the... Um, the things that Amazon just threw into this box. And because there was no packing material in the box, the metal things slid around and around, finally burst through their own box, and then dinged up these knitting needles. The knitting needles were dinged by the, um, the packing job, not by the customer. The customer just changed their mind, you know? So I took a picture of that and um, sent it into Amazon, and of course they're working on it, you know? And then I've learned if you ever have a customer return that there's a, or a, you know, a removal request that there's a problem, do a couple things. Take a picture of the box, okay? Then um, as you open it, take a picture of it, exactly how it's open, and then dig out the packing slip if they've included one, because half the time they don't, and take a picture of the packing slip. And when you complain to Amazon about, yeah, your crummy packaging's what ruined this thing, not the buyer, um, They'll ask you for those things, so send them to them right away. And I love to send them, and then they say, well, we need a picture of the packing slip. And I'm like, bozo, look at the original three things I attached. There's a picture of the packing slip, you know. Um, so there you go. So that's the other thing to learn from my week. Um, if you have problems with removal orders, that, that it is obvious things were damaged because of Amazon's crummy shipping, or... If a customer does not return the entire product, and the entire product includes the retail box um, and the instructions and every little bit, open up a ticket and ask for reimbursement from Amazon. I am totally 100% doing that for the past six months, and I'm 99.9% .9 good about getting the reimbursement because it does say they have to return it with everything. Um, so don't let Amazon, you know, because the customer changed the mind and forgot to include the instructions back in it, you shouldn't suffer for that. So if you don't get a return with everything in it, open up a ticket. Now, it's a bit different. The customer can use it and return it, and you're stuck, and you'll have to sell it on eBay or whatever. But the customer, customer has to return everything. And that's most of the time they don't. So that's your clue to get reimbursed for it. 
Um, and I don't care if eBay wants or Amazon wants it back at that point. That's fine. Um, but I want everything back that was sent. Um, you know, I've got one customer that is um, um, that was um, obviously using. She ordered knitting needles in five different sizes, all consecutive. I know what she was doing. I'm a knitter. You knitters will know what she was doing. She was doing gauge swatches and trying to find the exact size she needed for her project, and she returned the other four as defective. Yeah, right, defective my rear. Uh, it's because we become, um, because of the returns and customers know the defective thing, we've become a, um, a shopping store, you know, try it out kind of store. You know, I mean, brick and mortar knitting stores don't do that. They'll have sets that you can try, but that's just so annoying because these are like $25 each. So those will go on eBay because the um, the it's one of those plastic bags they're in that you tear the top off and they're not new anymore. And if you buy this brand, you know how they come. So if I rebagged them, they would know something's up. So, you know, it's um, can't do that. So, um so it's um, so be aware that the customer must return everything. They can use it, but is uh, and you're out of luck. But they have to return everything. So if this needle, knitting needles come back and don't come back with the the um, card that is in this bag that describes the size and the style and all that, I will say something. You know, it's it is. Um, we pay Amazon enough where they don't need to be free and loose with our money to keep a customer happy. You know, that's um, that's um, part of the issues and why they're using defective. And there are websites out there that teach people how to do this. And if you don't believe me, Google it, because I did, and um, I totally agree. Um, so I'm going to go back through some of the comments. Wendy, if Amazon uses the products box as a shipping box and it's an item that you regularly sell, you can get that fixed, um, unless you're selling like vacuum cleaners and big things. That was an issue I ran into. They were using the product box as a shipping box. Um, and there is a thing called, called Do Not Sioc that can be marked on the, the catalog page of Amazon. Not by us. You have to get a team member to do it. It's S-I-O-C. Do Not Sioc. And that stands for Ship in Own Container. Okay, that is Amazon code speak for you got to put it in a box. So if you're selling something and you're finding out that that is happening, open up a ticket and ask them to transfer this to the catalog department and have the catalog to market um, uh, mark as do not SIOC. Okay, and it may take a few times, but I had it done on this particular product I sell. It was worth um, the hassle to get it done. And Ron has had it done on a couple products too um, because they were doing that, just slapping a label on the box. And especially at the holiday time, oh, come on, really? You think that's okay? No, it's not. So, so um, if you have that issue with the product you sell regularly, open up, um, open up a ticket and work, work through it that way. It's, it's a pain that we have to like, teach Amazon common sense. Um, another thing, okay, this is like a brilliant, 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 the idea of the day. Alp says, set up a wish list, wish list or shopping list or whatever 
a private wish list on Amazon called FBA Supplies. And then she puts all these things like the seals, um, whatever poly bags, tape, whatever you need in your business in there so it's easy to find. I think that's like really, really genius. I have a private shopping list that I use for stuff I'm thinking about instead of a wish list because it's like I don't want other people to see it because it's like I haven't decided. So you can, this is a genius one. I'm going to start it today. So make a private wish list on Amazon for FBA supplies and put all these things in there as you hear about them. So if you're in the group and somebody says, oh, yeah, this is like a great set of replacement strips for an impulse sealer, put it in that list and then you can find it easily. I think that's like really smart. Ed, Ed was doing the same thing I do. I go back and look at the prior orders to find it again. Well, we're not going to have to do that anymore, are we? So I'm, that is like really, really, really good. So um, I'll follow up with you guys and see if you've done it because I think it's a really, really good idea. So let me go back through chat again. Um, uh, to, 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 yeah. Um, Jen, I think um, Wendy's talking about the labels that, um, like shipping labels that Amazon um, will sometimes ship in a box, ship in their own container. Um, they will put, you know, the shipping label on a whole bunch of sides. And then, you know, if you want to clean it up as a gift, it's even more of a hassle. Um, I think if it's a, um, a huge, huge bad thing at this time of year to send anything without a box. And Amazon is supposed to say on the listing, listing that this item will be visible when shipped. So if you have a listing that, um, that has that on it, that's a clue that they aren't going to put it in a box and you may want to deal with it getting that fixed. There's a certain limit where they won't do it. Like I said, vacuum cleaners and big stuff like that. Um, they'll say we can't. But, um, I mean, I've ordered dog food from Amazon, and it came like in a coffin-sized box. It was enormous, you know. Um, so they do, but, but look for that. So that's, um, so that's the first clue that your stuff is getting shipped not in an outer box. Is if it says it on the listing, it'll say something like, this item will be visible when shipped, or some wording to that effect that, that you can um, – you can um, determine that. And that's how I found that my, that one item of mine that I made the listing for was all of a sudden after like a year being shipped without a box. I saw that on the listing as I was just checking things and poking around. And that was my clue to, to figure out this PSYOC thing. And, and the big thing we want is do not PSYOC because um, we want things in boxes. So Another lesson learned. Amazon is all about lessons. Um, you know, you, just when you think you feel comfortable um, with stuff and you've got a handle on it, something else will come up. I can guarantee it something else will come up where you're like, I don't know. i got to figure this out. Things have changed. Um, I'm not sure about that now, you know. Um, and we're talking about things that aren't like, like the big things, like, yeah, I do very, very little merchant fulfilled on Amazon. Like one product is all I merchant fulfill. Um, and I've never had a customer ask to cancel an order on it. So Ron texted me yesterday. He was, I don't know where he was where, or where I was. But anyway, he texted me and said, um, I had a customer send me a request to cancel a merchant fulfilled order. What do I do? 
because he never had one before. He says, I don't want to just like do anything and get hit on my metrics because she's asking for it. So I had to do the research. And if, if your customer, I found out the customers, if the email says customer request to cancel order, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I went to the forums on Amazon and they showed the wording it should say. Then you could cancel order and su- select customer requests from the drop down, and it won't hurt you because there is a trail from Amazon that shows they requested it. If you just go in and do it without that, it will hurt you even though you so- select customer requested because they have no proof that the customer did. It has to go through that formal process. So, um, so he was able to do that. That's kind of the whole learning thing. Is okay, I learned that one. Um, about it. I knew any sort of cancellations hurt your metrics, but I didn't think Amazon would be so cruel as to customer request hurt us, and they don't. But just make sure if you have that happen as we're moving into the holiday that you have that official customer request for cancellation of order number blah, blah, blah. And it just isn't like one that says customer inquiry that says, I want to cancel this. It has to be that official request. And of course, she said, I was just looking at this. I didn't buy it. Really? Really? This is not something a kid would go in and buy. It's like, yeah, you bought it and you changed your mind. So just, you know, you don't need to lie because it gets canceled either way. But don't say, I didn't buy it, you know. Uh, Maybe she has fat fingers and hit one click or whatever. Um, I purposely don't have one click turned on, so I don't do that. Um, but there you go. So be aware of that if you get uh, requests for cancellations of merchant fulfilled orders as we move forward. Um, I'm going to merchant fulfill a few more things um, as we move closer to the holiday that I know won't get to the Amazon warehouse in time. Right now, everything will be there in time for holiday shopping, but as you move closer, there may be a point where you want to hold back a few to merchant fulfill. So if you run out at the warehouse, you have a couple that you can sell and hopefully raise the price too as as people are selling out of of hot products um, that you want to be able to keep keep the money going as much as possible. So one last thing, um, I think it was, I can't remember who it was in the group. Anyway, maybe it was Rachel. Um, the uh, A question about how much to reorder now over your regular sales um, and I don't have an arbitrary number. Um, she said, I said 10% in one place and 50 in another. Um, and maybe I was talking about two different situations, but, but there's a couple things you need to look at. If this is a product you sell regularly, like most of mine are, you're going to have a bump in sales for holiday, no matter what the product is. Okay. If it's a true gifty, gifty, great gift product, you're going to have a much bigger bump than like my stuff. But for the most part, it's not like, huge giftable stuff you know people do give it but it's not major gift stuff so um so you need to go back and look at what your sales were last q4 um ron vastly underestimated what he sold of his biggest seller last q4 when i asked him he said you know x number of units like he said 200 ended up it was like 800 in q4 and he because he hadn't really paid attention and he didn't go look at the report so he realized, oh, crud, I've like not ordered nearly enough of these to get me through. If I sold that many last year, and this is a very steady, 
replenishable item. It's not trendy or anything. It's, you know, one of those workhorse kind of products um, that um, he said, oh, man, I need to really bump up the orders I've got in place because this company runs out like by November. You're not getting any more of them. So he went in. So first thing to do, go look back at what you sold last Q4. Okay, that's the first place. Then the second place is were you out of stock at all? So did you lose sales? Um, because you were out of stock, and maybe that number would have been a lot higher if you hadn't run out of stock. Um, I don't know of an easy way to do that um, just through Seller Central, so if somebody else has a better way, please, please tell me. I would go back and look at your buy box percentage, and if you all of a sudden have like, eh, nothing, no buy box for a period of time, you can guess you ran out of stock. So if you've been consistently owning the buy box 20%, 20%, it drops to zero for a while and then goes back up again, you can pretty much guess you were out of stock then. That's the first thing. So you have to allow for that, that number that you think you could have sold if you hadn't been out of stock and add that to um, what you sold last year, if it's a regularly sellable item. And then look at the trends of the products. Um, is it a product that's trending up or down? Is it still hot from last year, or is it still hot through the summer and early fall? Or is it kind of slowing momentum? Um, one of my biggest sellers last Q4 is like down to a trickle now, because everybody who wants one has one, and I'm not going to sell very, very many more of them. So I'm not going to increase inventory on those. But the one that are trending upward, for darn sure I will be. So you have, you have a lot to factor in to what you decide to reorder as you move into you know, the last bit of time to place these orders. Because I don't want to hear you guys that you, you went to order and your supplier doesn't have any more. Um, you know, big box stores order in February for Christmas. You know, trade shows in February are selling for Christmas delivery. So, um, so please, your, your job this week is to make sure you have orders in or a mechanism in place to get them in at the time you want them so your supplier has the product. And if you don't know, call your supplier and say, hey, Susie Smith, if I place an order for 50 of these, can you hold shipment until November 1st or November 10th or whatever day you want to pick? Most likely they have a mechanism in place that they can do that. Um, and you can say, I'll pay for them now, but I can't handle them right now for whatever reason. You don't have room, the warehouse is still full, whatever. But it doesn't hurt to ask if they can delay shipment for that little period of time that you need. But don't wait to order until November 10th because then they might be out of them and then you're out of luck. And that is just a, a ugh, horrible feeling. So I went ahead and um, I had gotten an order from my supplier in Israel for this product. That's a steady seller. It doesn't have the momentum it had last year, but it's still a steady, steady seller. And I placed an order and my delivery time um, is normally about four to five days from Israel. Um, they come FedEx and they're small, so it's not, not a huge deal. So I placed an order, and then I realized, hmm, we're getting like really close to Christmas, you know, and things are going to slow down. So I got that order shipped into Amazon, and I reordered again. Uh, I placed another order um, from her early last week, and she makes these things herself. 
with her family. So, you know, they have to be packaged as you order and all that. So there's a, a day or two lead time for that. Well, I forgot there was a big, big holiday um, over the past few days. And so it was like a five-day delay in shipping my order. So, so actually, I'm not that far off in the timing because that added another week to getting it. It just got um, picked up from Israel on Monday and will be here on Friday. So that, that holiday period, um, I lost a little time. I have a supplier in New Jersey that was closed um, Monday and Tuesday um, because of the holiday. So um, we need to be aware of this with our suppliers, especially international suppliers or suppliers that are observant of holidays that we not, may not be totally aware of. Um, it's nice. This particular supplier gives you plenty of warning, and I've been with them long enough. I know, you know, that for for all uh, Jewish holidays, they are closed, and there's no question, no nothing, and um, that's the way it is. So you plan around that a bit um, when you are ordering from them. So, um, so here you're out of stock. Of, oh, your supplier doesn't have it, and they don't know when they're going to get it. Oh. God, yeah, don't let's not let's not have that happen with anything else. So your job, your guys, this week is to get busy, get that stuff ordered, get it in the pipeline. Um I I'm not holding back anything. As it comes in, it's going back out. I am not worried about the increased fees um for Q4. Yeah, they jumped up, but hopefully the stuff is not going to be there that 30 days, so you're not going to have to worry about it. Um it's it, this is a it's a pure numbers game now. It is a numbers game that as small or micro businesses that we have to play smart because we don't have the manpower to just play dumb and strong. We have to play smart, and our smart is getting all our ducks into Amazon lined up so they can be shipped out as soon as people start start um, buying, and they're buying now. I can tell the difference in the products that are selling. Um, that people aren't buying in for themselves, they're buying for gifts. It just, you know, the more expensive things that are cool looking are selling better than the the individual knitting needles or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So you'll see that in your sales too. Um, if you see products starting to move um, before you even get to the point where you think you might be running about contact your supplier and see what their lead time is. And it may be time, even though it just got to the warehouse and you've only sold a quarter of what you sent in, you may want to order some more. Um, that's kind of what we're at the point I'm in now. It is um, keeping it pumped in as fast as possible, 24-hour um, turnaround on um, – um, John, thank you. I will, I'm going to copy that because it does sound pretty good now that now – that, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that. Maybe out, out. Put that one in your quote thing for me, okay? Because I can't copy from the thing I have on um, the chat. So if you don't mind doing that, Alp, I'd appreciate it. Um, yeah. So we just have to be smarter than the next guy. And here's the thing: we can also do better. Is we can be faster, and that we don't have to send purchase orders through three people to approve them all. Right? We just say, "Yeah, I'm going to buy that," and that's our approval process. That means we can do things a lot faster than even a a, a business with like ten employees, where 
the guy in the warehouse sees they're running low and has to submit something to his warehouse supervisor who then gives it to the purchasing guy. Well, you're probably two or three days gone at that point, right? So, um, so we can be two or three days faster. And even though it doesn't sound like a lot, this time of year, two or three days can mean a lot. It is, um, it is the, the difference between making the sale or not. So we will be smarter and faster and more nimble and all those kind of buzzword, um, um, buzzwords um, that business loves to use. That's what we're going to do. Um, for those of you who are new to the group and maybe don't feel totally, totally confident in this, please don't worry. If this is your first Q4, you do what you do to get through it, okay? You do your very best, and that's all we can do is our very best. So those of us who've been at it for a while have learned some of these things. I tend to learn things the hard way, meaning I've screwed up once and then um, don't do it again. Um, but, and hopefully you, you, you all can learn from that, those mistakes. But, but here's the thing, you can only do what you can do with the tools that you have. And one of the big tools is capital. You know, you can only buy what capital you have because if you've listened to me for a while, you know I'm not a fan of debt in business. Um, and it may, it may be that this year you do what you can and it's not as much as you wanted to, but then you spend the first six months of next year building up that capital however you can to, um, to have enough to do what you want to buy in Q4. So um, in a way, that's how Ron started. I started with $100, okay? So I didn't start with a lot. And it took me a long time to get to the point where I can, you know, place, you know, multi-thousand dollar purchase orders and just like not bat an eye. It took a long time. Uh, Ron started out thrifting. I don't think he even had $100 when he started, but he built up many, uh, built up and built up and built up and just kept rolling it back in whatever he could. Um, he, would, he had, you know, a garage sale and selling stuff there and use that money for Amazon inventory from his wholesalers and all that. So, so you can only do what you can do with what you have. And the one thing I love about, about the group is nobody is judgmental that you aren't a $10 million business. I'm not a $10 million business, okay? I don't want a warehouse and all that, so I, there's no way I'm going to get there. Um, as long as you are doing what you set your goals to do and you are happy with what you're doing and you're doing your best, and, and I'm a big believer in that coming from an athletic background, competing, you do your best and that's all you can do, you know? Um, yeah, I, I was a competitive swimmer, but I wasn't at, you know, Olympic caliber, but I always did my best, you know? Um, and even knowing you can't get to that level, like I can't get as a $10 million seller because I got things in my way that I won't do. I won't rent a warehouse and all that. Um, I do the best with my tools, meaning working out of the spare bedroom, not having employees and all that. And I think based on things, I'm pretty darn happy with where, where I'm at. So, so you do what you can with what you have, but you also you do your best with those tools. Um, I have to say a shout out to Ed who I saw, I think it was on Monday, was up at 4.30 a.m. packing his Amazon boxes because Ed has a goal and he is doing his best. I know he is. I see that little sports car loaded up with boxes as he posts, you know, that he's getting out. And he's using Amazon and eBay both to get to that goal of, of I think, is it February 17th, Ed? Let's see if I remember correctly, of being able to leave his day job. And that's a goal. 
and he is doing his best. So here's the thing. If you do your best and you don't get to your goal, you can't feel bad about it because you've done your best, okay? If you've kind of like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to sleep in today and I'm not going to get that box out, and then the time comes and um, and you get there and um, you've done your very best and you don't get there, you can feel okay. But if you know you slacked off and didn't get there, um, then maybe, yeah, maybe you'll feel like really bad. And I can tell you a story why Michael Phelps came back and swam in Rio because he knew he didn't do his best in London. He, knew, he admitted it. He knew it. I didn't work as hard as I could have. I goofed off. You know, I was partying and all this. I didn't do my best. So he left London with some gold medals and some fame, more fame and all that. But in his heart, he knew he didn't do his best. And that's the thing that I think no matter uh, what, yeah. So, oh, the 12th, Ed, I'm sorry. So I I was giving you five more days. Oh, and um, Wendy's posting about Van Dyken. I know who she's talking about. Um, I don't know if anybody else. Would. You're talking about Amy Van Dyken, right? The swimmer who was paralyzed in the um, uh, ATV accident. And she's just like an awesome. She is just so awesome. She's on the Today Show a fair bit because I think Matt Lauer has a secret crush on her. Um, but, yeah, she's just like she's not going to give up, you know. And she's she is I pretty amazing. I You know, there's lots of athletes out there who, who do great things on the playing field or in the pool or whatever. But she's doing great things outside of it, too. And it shows what she's, uh, she's made of. Um, so it's Amy Van Dyken. Um, so, yeah, so Ed stays 212. So we're going to keep – I'm going to remember that. And, um, and yeah, we will, um, we will be back. Um, I'm thinking about another podcast next week, but I'm not sure I have to check my schedule because Deborah's is still under the weather and Thrifting for Profit is now on hiatus. Um, so, um, so that um, we won't have that second, that call every week. And I'm thinking maybe our group, we should do one. So let, I will work on the schedule and all of that. And as we move into Q4, it may be more valuable as people have questions and issues that come up throughout the thing where they are, um, that they're facing. Um, and um, be a little more reactive. I do far better with my complaining about Amazon when I can talk out loud about it than typing it. Um, cause that just, the typing part just makes me more, more frustrated. I don't know why. Um, Sally Deborah's doing okay. She's in the middle of a bunch of tests and you know how that goes, you know, and she is, has a, a finite store of energy, which is hard to believe from Deborah, Right. But, and, and I suggested that she put the podcast on hiatus and focus her energy on one getting better and two, um, her business in Q4. Um, so that's, that's where we're at. So if everybody wants to post in the, the wholesale group, um, some good wishes for, her. I know she'll appreciate it. She does check in, um, but she, um, doesn't post a lot, but I know she'll, she'll see them. So, um, yeah, I miss talking with her cause she's, she's like my partner in crime in a lot of ways. You know, she got me into podcasting. So, um, and plus she's such a positive person that I sure, I know everybody loves hearing it, um, hearing her. We both bitch and complain a lot, but, you know, in the end, I think we're both pretty positive about, about this business model. And, and I certainly couldn't do the things I'm doing in a business if it wasn't for Amazon. And I'll admit it, I did okay with eBay, but, you know, 
my Amazon is probably, it's now I look 15 times what eBay is. Um, so, you know, that's a big, big difference, a big change. And um, it's allowed me to do a lot of things like write a check for a new car. My Jeep is my Amazon Jeep. I just wrote a check for that. Um, I paid for a fabulous trip that we're taking in February um, through, from Amazon money. That's, you know, it's totally the the stuff that Amazon's allowed me to do. So I do believe in the model. I think, as always, there are, there are huge issues with it. There are huge problems. Um, but for us right now, it's the best. It's the best. You know, where could a, a woman working out of her spare bedroom, you know, sell a half a million dollars worth of products not working 40 hours a week? Because I admit I don't work 40 hours a week. Um, you know, I sometimes work late at night or early in the morning, but it means I took a big chunk of, day of the day and didn't work. Um, so there's that kind of balance thing. So um, so there you go. So it is possible if you um, – and it is possible to grow huge. The coaching client I had, he contacted me about four or five years ago, and I've been coaching him along. And he started out just as, you know, retail arbitrage seller. And he's now all wholesale. He's not doing retail arbitrage anymore. He's doing wholesale um, um, totally. He just bought. He calls me up and says, oh, my God, I got a great deal on this product from the manufacturer, you know, but I've got 53 pallets coming in. What do I do? Because he, he worked out of his garage. He and his sister-in-law did everything out of his garage, a lot of his stuff went direct to the manufacturer, direct to Amazon from the manufacturer. But in this case, he had 53 pallets that um, he had to deal with. So, um, so, you know, we brainstormed a couple things. And my first thought was, um, he has a couple acres of property. So I said, would they allow you to put like one of those pods, basically a shipping container on your property and, and put it, get a pallet jack and put them in there and you, Oh, man, I never thought of that. He says, I was thinking about finding as many storage lockers as I could all around the town and just shoving them in wherever I could fit them, you know, because this is a product that he sells hundreds a day of, so he knows they'll sell. And so I said, okay, that's a deal. He says, yeah, but then I got to haul them all over the city, you know, taking them all these places and all that. So he ended up buying a warehouse. He calls me like three days later. He says, you know, I have this eye on this warehouse for like two years and it hasn't sold in the two years and it's been sitting empty. So I called the real estate, the real estate guy and said, it's been sitting here this long. I think they wanted like 150,000 for it. It's like 5,000 square feet. Um, he lives in a low rent kind of town, you know, um, area of the country. And he says, so I offered him a hundred thousand for it and they took it. So he now, he now owns a warehouse. He says, you know, it was fast, but, I knew it was the right thing to do. My gut told me it was the right thing to do, you know. He says, now my wife will say I can get everything out of the garage and all that kind of stuff. And it has a loading dock and everything. So he's like set, you know. And he um, has been very good about, you know, we talked about saving as much cash as you can without stifling the growth because if something happens, you know, you're in trouble. So anyway, so I will um, – yeah, Casey, Dave Ramsey's awesome. Um, Wendy, um, okay, the payout thing, here's what Ron does, okay? First of all, he sets aside a percentage of his payout and goes directly in a bank account marked taxes. And I can't remember what percentage he sets out now. 
I, I'm sorry, I don't remember that. And it would depend on your income bracket and if you have state income tax. We don't have state income tax here. So that's the first thing he does is off the top, that payout sets aside that for taxes. And then he sets aside um, 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 some for other expenses. You know, the, the um, UPS supplies, all those little expenses, tax jar, those kind of things, set that aside. And then right now he reinvests all the rest. He has no debt, so he doesn't have to, to worry about that. But, um, but I would suggest if you, have, if you have some debt, I would um, set aside the stuff for taxes because you don't want to be shocked when you have to pay those taxes. Put a percentage towards debt that you feel comfortable with, and then right now I'd reinvest all the rest in inventory. Right now is not the time to cheap out on the inventory. So, um, so, um, so I would also say um, I don't. I I am fortunate at the point I spent a couple of years where I didn't take anything out for myself, and you know, just lived really frugally, um, had no debt. So I just reinvested everything I could after I paid all the bills. And now I'm at the point where I pull out. I like to pull out even numbers. Um, and then put it in what I call a reserve account. And then it sits there until I personally need the money for something like the car or the trip or um, real estate taxes or whatever. Because we're lucky we don't have a mortgage on the house, so we don't have the taxes aren't built into that. I have to pay them separately. So, And then I do an owner draw for that amount from the business reserve. I don't take a regular paycheck. A lot of people take a regular paycheck. It's whatever works. It works for you um, and how your personal finances are, the rest of it. Um, Ron and I don't have kids, so we only have the dog as a dependent expense, you know, that kind of thing. So we can be frugal in other ways if necessary. So, so yeah, I think right now is the timeout. Um, so Ed takes out what he needs for tax and the 10%. That's great, Ed. I think that's, that's a great way to set yourself some goals and um, and all that. Casey, you got to meet Dave Ramsey? That's pretty awesome. That's great. I think his whole anti-debt thing is great. I disagree with him about credit cards because I think credit cards used properly are a tool. Um, and I was the child of a depression, uh, a father who grew up in the depression. So debt was like a four-letter word, no pun intended. So uh, I was never one to have any, I've never had any debt, credit card debt um, in that way. So I think you can use credit cards in a tool, especially for a business when there are cash back options and all that kind of stuff. So um, so I'm not, to- I'm not anti-credit card, but I am anti-debt. Um, so you, you do, Wendy, what you feel comfortable um, with your situation. Be sure you set aside the tax money, though. Um, there's a couple people in other groups um, that have really suffered um, when it came time and they had no cash for the taxes because they forgot to set that part aside. So Ron is really, really good about pulling these things out and and putting them, he puts them in separate accounts so he knows exactly how much is in each account for something. And And I think he was really close on the last quarterly of what he pulled out. Um, so if your payout is, is, is 400, figure out what your last 
tax bracket was, Wendy, from your last tax return, whether, you know, whatever percentage, take that percentage and start another bank account that's for your taxes, okay? Pull that percentage out of the 400. And then I would take all of the rest and I would reinvest it in inventory, all of the rest. Right now, this time of year, definitely. Um, so there you go. So, and Elizabeth's a Dave Ramsey fan too and uses credit cards and pays them off every month. So, um, yeah, I, I think the rewards use, Casey got free inventory with them. See, that's a big bonus. My favorite card is one of the original, uh, for my business, is one of the um, the business uh, American Express plums. And they sent out invitations, God, when they first came out with this card ages ago. And, and um, in addition to the great American Express benefits in general, it has a 2% cash back off the top. I mean, it, it's not cash back. It comes right off your bill. It's called an early pay discount. The current plum cards, it's one and a half percent, but mine's an old one. It was grandfathered. It's 2%. So if you pay the bill within 10 days of the statement date, um, you get, I get 2% knocked off the bill as a credit against the bill. So it's not nothing you have to keep track of and cash in and all this kind of stuff. To me, I love that way because it take it takes it off the, my cost of goods right away. Um, for personal use, I um, I use an American Express Platinum card um, for lots of reasons, mainly the benefits. Um, it's um, if you travel at all, it gives you two hundred dollars worth of airline charges, which could which could be baggage or any sort of thing the airline charges above and beyond their tickets. Um, and you have an incredible buyer protection thing for even lost items. You have 90 days. If you lose something, they'll refund you. Um, it's pretty awesome. Um, and I know it's an expensive card, but we more than get our money back on it. Like it paid for our global entry applications. Um, for the travel thing. That's another hundred bucks that it pays, you know, so, so you use properly, you certainly get your money back for that. And then it has points that are, are usable in gazillions of places in addition to these other business. Um, so, and Elizabeth has, so she has an American Express business that uses points against her charges. I think that's the best way to use them as Casey did to get free inventory against your charges, whatever. So, um, so, um, that's my little money management spiel for the day. Um, Ed's headed to the UPS store, so have a great day, Ed. Um, and Kwong, I'm sorry, two months, haven't written a check to himself, but hopefully Q4 will turn around and, um, and get you there. Um, so pretty cool, pretty cool stuff this, this time. We will talk hopefully next week, if not for sure in two weeks, but I'll let you guys know. Um, where you are, please, if you are having any sort of issues with Amazon or suppliers, please post in the group because that's how we all learn is about learning from each other and what we're going through in our businesses. I mean, I've learned so much from you guys. Um, I can't count. You know, it's just, it's amazing um, what I've learned. So please post in the group anything. You will notice that this group is zero judgment zero criticism, 100% support. And that's because you guys have made it that way, um, that uh, we all are in this together, right? We are. And so here's to a fabulous Q4. I want you to do your homework the next couple of days, get those orders done, get all that sorted out. 
because I think once you know, have your plan in place, you'll feel a lot more in control for the rest of Q4. So thank you guys for joining me, and we will see you on the Facebook group. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.